Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. This episode is a little different. This is an episode from the Emerge community. Every Tuesday, we do our use case episodes. Every Thursday, we do our making the business case episode. This is an episode with one of our own subscribers here who has some important lessons that I think will be useful for our listeners. But we also want to do more connecting with the folks who really benefited from our work at Emerge and are putting some of the concepts that they've learned in action. Scott Alexander might be one of the very best examples of that. He is our guest this week on the AI and Business Podcast. Scott is the Managing Director at Optimity Advisors, a consultancy based in the Midwest, and he was previously a director at PwC and a senior manager at Accenture before that. He has decades of experience in high-touch IT and strategy consulting with large enterprise firms, and he's gotten to see how the world has shifted from IT to AI and what those decisions look like in the C-suite. And in today's episode, we talk about how those decisions have been altered by the pandemic. What are the areas that are less of a focus? What are the areas that are more of a focus? So two areas we're going to focus in on this episode, one of which is tied directly to our big holiday special that we're running right now for Emerge Plus. The first topic is around how artificial intelligence transformation projects are different from IT transformation projects when it comes to how the C-suite makes decisions, what they need to take into account, and what that means for the folks that are trying to enable the technology in the C-suite. Scott's got some great hands-on experience there. The second topic ties directly to our latest report, which is called Five Crucial Enterprise AI Trends for 2021. Scott talks a bit about how the pandemic has altered technology priorities in the C-suite from his perspective. Again, working with multi-billion dollar retailers and health insurance firms and other kinds of companies in the Midwest. How is he seeing those decisions being made differently? And Scott's also kind enough to share some of his perspective on what he's really benefited from for Emerge Plus. As anybody who's tuned in right now, if you're an email uh, subscriber, you're already well aware, we are running a holiday special on Emerge Plus. You can go to emerj.com slash x1. That's x is an x-ray and then the number one, emerge.com slash x1. And you can learn more about getting our five critical AI trends for 2021 as a complimentary report with Emerge Plus. And for the first time ever, we're actually discounting our annual and lifetime membership. So if you want the full library of use cases, if you want the full library of our best practices, if you want to access the materials that Scott talks about really benefiting from for his business and his career, then go over to emerj.com slash x1. This special offer is going to be ending on Friday. This is our big holiday offer for the year. We've never done anything like it, and I don't know if we even will next year. So if you want to get in on the best of our resources, and check out emerj.com slash x1. Scott, I'm super grateful for for his expertise in the C-suite and also grateful for him as a customer with us here. Scott's been in Emerge Plus since the program actually got started and he's since uh, leveled up to become a Catalyst member with us. We work with a number of AI services firms in a more hands-on basis to help them grow their company. If you're interested in learning more about Catalyst, I'll include a little bit about that in the outro of this episode. So on the way out, I'll talk a bit about that. But without further ado, I want to fly right into the meat and potatoes of this episode. This is a fellow who I consider to be you know, a pal of mine by this point, how many times we've, we've communicated, and someone who I think has some piercing insight for the transition into 2021 that should benefit our listeners. This is Scott Alexander with Optimity Partners here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Scott, I'm glad to be able to have you on the program here with us. I was joking before we had the microphone rolling that I posted on LinkedIn about getting one of our Plus members on, and Ryan had sort of nudged me and said, why don't you pull on one of the Catalyst guys? And so you were you were happy to jump on. I'm glad to have you here. One of the cool things about your experience is 
you've been working for decades with very high-touch tech transformations in big companies, enterprise firms. Now, obviously, you're working at the intersection of, of AI, which is how we know each other. When you think about what transformation conversations looked like with leadership as they paint their vision, they build out projects, what it used to be versus what elements change with AI, how do you nutshell that? What, what are the core shifts from your vantage point? Well, first, thanks for having me on, Dan. Uh, I'm happy to, uh, to walk into this. I'd cite a couple. The first is uh, there's some similarities, and that is that in traditional AI, uh, or I'm sorry, in traditional IT, you're either brought in by the business or IT, but it's either to solve some business problem that they have around either customer service or supply chain, or could be in healthcare, it could be uh, claims situations. Or if you're brought in on the IT front, then you're usually brought in to do some sort of IT assessment or IT strategy around, do I have the right core admin systems to take me into the next five to 10 years or with health insurance companies, sometimes it's longer. But those still remain with AI because you still have the business problems of better customer service or higher adjudication percentage of claims, or how can I track my enrollments you know, more accurately so you still have to work with them to ascertain what the business problems are and then how that breaks down to how that impacts the systems. Sometimes that ends up in a what we call a system selection where you're walking through where they need new vendors and where those best vendors in the market can best fit the business problem you've discussed. So a lot of that is the same with AI. Where it differs with AI is, and as I've heard on several of your articles or podcasts, AI is not IT. And so you still have to use your same consulting skills to break down the business problem, essentially, fundamentally into what they want to achieve North Star, whether it's better customer service, or I want to be able to could be better employee productivity where employees spend entirely too much time digging through paper, through SharePoints, through spreadsheets yeah, yeah. that Bob pulls out every other two weeks. And it's how do we make them more productive? I worked with one client that used to, in fact, still does, hire anywhere between 60 and 90 temporary workers during open enrollment Ouch. and that was yeah and that was just largely because their systems and primarily their processes were in a state that required a lot of search and find of other documents so lack of centralized documentation or they just weren't leaned out to where the waste wasn't taken out of the process and so we had to come in and, and use you know the same consulting skills to to analyze that where it changes into ai i believe is where you have to be able to set them on sure their north star but then you've got to be able to back up and start going iterative and develop that nature and that mindset and for that matter the culture of an iterative, almost experimental, probabilistic situation. So 
we can't just stay by the the book of the process that we use to select the system or the process that we even use to develop an app. We've got to chart out the iterative steps and then create our pivot points where we don't know what we're going to do then, or we have an idea, but we've got our options. It's like the difference between having a standard sweep in football and having the option pitch. You know, he, he might pitch it, he might not, or he might, you know, keep it. So it's the mindset of having that those pivot points and developing from management on down through IT that that's the way you have to think of your iterative projects while keeping your mind on and your project scope on the North Star. Does that help? It it does. It does. The the football analogy, I'll be frank, there's probably 150 listeners right now who are totally understanding it, and I'm not one of them, but I get the context, and so I'm following you. The way that I, I think about it to some degree is that, you know, it's almost, if we think about logistics, if we are, you know, a company handling supply chain for some some shoe manufacturer or something if we can determine sort of what boats go where and who the suppliers are we can we can almost kind of like hard code here's where we source it here's where it comes from here's how it's paid for well military logistics is sort of we've got a couple ways we might be able to get this stuff over here and we're, we got to show up with a portfolio of those ways some are going to work some aren't the world is way too gray for us to know for sure what's going to work sort of in, in older school it Maybe what you're getting at is, you know, we could build something that'll get that job done for you. People push this button, this thing's going to kick off, and these things are going to print, and these things are going to happen automatically. With AI, we got to get our hands on the data. We got to try, we got to feel it out. And if this approach doesn't work, we can still handle it in this way. And we have these two other options that might be able to deliver a similar result. So it seems like just the cultural change to getting the the leadership to be that nimble feels like it's got to be the hard part. Yeah, because leadership typically is is not as nimble. They yeah. have one-year, three-year, five-year plans. They sit yeah. down and they strategize about that in you know September or October before the end of the year or earlier. So you're right. The nimbleness is not typically in the culture, although that's changing. The other thing that you just nailed is the difference in thinking about data. Whereas with traditional management consulting and IT solutions, the data is kind of secondary, unless it's a straight analytics project. But if you're doing a vendor selection and then an implementation of an ERP package or an insurance core admin package, you kind of know where the data is. The more important thing is to implement the system and have it start to migrate over the existing legacy, sure, but that existing legacy system is pretty well defined. With AI, you've got to think way more holistically about not only your core transactional data that you would migrate or tap into, but all the other pockets of data in customer service, in advertising, in enrollment, or even in more unstructured data territory, you know, like digital assets. But you've got to be able to think from end to end about where that data is, both structured and unstructured, so that you can accomplish more AI-like business goals like where does my customer touch my organization and what might be correlating either retention or acquisition. And that takes a broader reach of data. And like, you know, we've discussed before, that takes a chief data officer or a data owner type of role. 
And that also is a mentality that organizations are not used to thinking of, especially when they tend to be more siloed and thus the ownership tends to be more siloed. Yeah, when you know we talk about uh, you and I talk AI maturity a lot. Obviously, one of the elements of the, the critical capabilities model is you know having a value of data in the culture. It's a, one of the cultural elements of the model. You know, if, if we don't have a title and if kind of nobody owns it and it's pure silos, it's obviously a challenge. Closing note on this first question: When you think about what's going to get, let's say, five years in the future, what's going to make more enterprises a little more nimble and able to? kind of think in this AI way. You know, we talked about kind of the hard-coded, like, well, my three-year plan's my three-year plan versus the, hey, I've got a portfolio of what could work. We've got to access the data. Is it just, you know, part of it's going to be working with consultancies that get it. Part of it's going to be going to enough events. What's going to move the cultural needles to make that nimbleness become normal in the C-suite? Well, I think there's a couple things. The first is, and you mentioned it before, it's the AI fluency education. You've got to be able to know what's possible out there, and you've got to have the mindset open to even to be able to discover that. And I think what will shift that is, I mean, there, there's nothing like pure operational and financial need and seeing the potential of some of your customers going away yeah. to be able to shift into a mindset that says, hmm, maybe we better harvest our data about where all of our customer touch points are because our competition probably is. And that will help get the executive level in a mindset to where they can start being more open to AI fluency. I think once that happens, then you've got a cascading effect down into the organization where you know they start hiring chief data officers, they start emphasizing and budgeting AI projects that tend to be more iterative above others. And so, you know, it can come from just straight, just serving their customers better or not letting customers go away. Yeah, feeling that pressure, right? Yeah, people ask sometimes around market research, like, oh, you know, so people use Emerge to, you know, we work with heads of innovation, heads of strategy, work with Emerge to open up new project ideas and find new pockets for ROI. Sure, yeah, they definitely do. But a lot of the time they just need to, be able to have on paper sort of what the five biggest competitors are doing because their boss isn't going to listen to them unless they actually have those numbers. So like you said, it's the heat under their under their feet there that'll get them to move no matter what the brilliant ideas are. It's like, hey, are yeah. these people pulling ahead of us or not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I think, the natural progression of, of hiring more people, both from the business side and the technical side that have the AI mindset, that think more probabilistically yeah. around, hey, if we're able to harvest this data and this data, then perhaps we could both trend and categorize these root causes of why this known business problem is happening. Yep. And that's that I think is going to happen by um, biosmosis as more, more people with that mentality both graduate and uh, get trained within certain companies. Yeah, big time. And it's more catalyst, whether the internal folks or external folks like you breathe life into that strategic value, right? Breathe life into these these new requirements. It's going to take a lot of those. You hit on one other difference between regular IT projects and AI, and that is you can't, and I'm dealing with a client uh, in this front right now, you can't just walk in there and say AI is the nirvana and it's going to solve everything, or they'll yeah, either yeah, roll yeah. their eyes or flip out because they'll say they can't handle that. So you've got to be able to come in with credibility around the business problem first and literally not say AI is going to solve the world. It's start with the data, start with yeah. things they know, 
and then work into it. Yep. Yeah, there is uh, there is the silver bullet to get the first misguided project money is more or less dried up over the last 18 months, at least in North America in most major industries. Uh, and that's good for everybody as far as I'm concerned. Last question I want to bounce off you here as we will close and talk a bit about plus is around the future. So I'm working right now at the time of recording this, literally just finishing up my report on five trends for AI, enterprise AI in 2021. So major not going away sort of changes in how leadership should be thinking about AI and how it's going to impact areas of their business. You're, you know, high touch with multi-billion dollar firms in healthcare and retail. I mean, your experience is part of why I wanted to have you on here. And you've seen these folks go through nine months of this COVID thing that we're all juggling. Where are technology priorities starting to move away from and move towards over the last nine months in, in your eyes? And what do you think is going to continue in the year ahead? Uh, well, the interesting thing and trend that we saw that we almost overlooked and kind of take for granted as consultants is for the ability of our clients to work remotely. Some of them were more sophisticated than others, but many of them are used to just, you know, management by walking around Yeah, and being able to run, especially with healthcare clients now entering open enrollment, or actually they entered that a few months back, but the ability to prepare for that, some of them were very anxious about being able to even pull off an open enrollment way back in June uh, with people yeah. remote because they're yeah. used to the, the group sitting there. So that that was one. Also developing you know higher VPN bandwidth and everything that you would normally just take for granted. But so beyond the infrastructural changes, the biggest changes that we saw or priority shifts were really and this is nothing new, but doing more with less. So either doing more with less because they still had to get work done or shifting to accommodate new customer demand based on what COVID had thrown at them. For example, you know, a retail client of mine had to drastically shift their inventory that was slated by offshore suppliers to go to B2B and B2C store outlets to shift it to go online. Yeah. Um, and they they weren't used to doing that, but, you know, bless them, they dug in and are, are figuring it out. So, you know, that's that's more on the consumer front. On the healthcare front, it's probably going to be or at least we've we've seen doing more with less. They, they still are prioritizing, for example, uh, value based care, shifting providers, doctors, clinics, hospitals over to risk based contracts. but you know, they have to do that with less people, do it remotely. So what that does is it pushes them to to harvest their data more and better and faster, so to speak. So in other words, they have to rely on being able to leverage their data, harvest their data, more than just having the same people do the same processes. They have to get innovative on, for example, how they are going to get those providers to move to risk contracts. Got it. So it, it sounds like if I'm in the position of, and tell me if this is right or wrong, Scott, I like to nutshell stuff as we close. If I'm an internal you know, innovation leader, functional business leader, or I'm an outside consultant, and I'm thinking about an industry I, re I really want to solve, or, or I'm working within a big enterprise that I want to drive value for, there's a couple lenses here. One is, where are the areas where doing more with less really would, would hit the bottom line? What are the places where 
there's some elements of monotony or process that, that there's got to be pockets of, of major savings and it might be one lens to go about it. The other one that you brought up is given what the customer and the world needs post-COVID, what are the technologies that are going to support that pivot? You know, retail to e-commerce is, is, an, is a somewhat obvious one, but I imagine in every industry, insurance, healthcare, whatever, there's a new set of customer needs. And now we should be maybe thinking about layering capability over what the pandemic has made important. It feels like that, that might be two different pairs of goggles we can see some AI opportunities with. Let me know if that's kosher in your book. Yeah, you, you described it well, Dan. And it's data and a ability to understand through descriptive analytics or just straight statistics what's happening today. But where the AI piece comes in is, oh gosh, I've got to be able to predict. Whereas the business as usual I used to depend on before was more predictable. So enter AI as one of the levers that they can pull, a big one, where they can help predict what's going to happen. One thing we do is augment that with simulation modeling, where you're able to answer the question, what if, what if I use yeah, this scenario yeah. or that scenario in terms of how I operate my, my future scenarios? And that helps actually answer some of their questions. Got it. Yeah. So another, another goggle here is where are they asking other what ifs and where would predictive be the most valuable in this volatile space that we're in? Closing out here, Scott, we're running kind of a pretty special holiday sort of special with Emerge Plus for the annual and lifetime folks. Uh, with this new report that we're coming out with. You've been, you know, we launched Plus, what, in March or something? You've been with us almost since the very beginning. And I know you're somebody who's actively used the resources in there. I wanted to get your take on what facets of Plus as a membership and a resource are, are most valuable for you and that you maybe think other people would get the most value out of as well. There's a lot on the platform, but what's really stood out to you that, that other people should know about? I think, I mean, it's a bunch of things. It's extremely valuable. It really takes what you offer you know, to the public on the Emerge site to a new level of, of both research around uh, what I find is research around vendors that can be very specifically sliced around certain very defined use cases. So that to me is very valuable. The, the, the use case depth across a lot of different uh, sliced use cases. The other is the flip side of the, the industry depth around finding what works within certain industries and sub-industries. That, to me, the depth of that research and that those articles are fantastically useful in Emerge Plus. And they're all easy to find because, as you would expect, you've got a good search on your website and within uh, Emerge Plus to find, because they're thinly sliced, exactly what I'm looking for. That's the goal. And, and I know you've also used the best practice guides a good deal. Obviously, infographics around AI ROI, AI adoption, you know, you're, you're one of a fistful of folks I've gotten to talk to personally who've actually put those resources, you know, in front of people you're doing business with and in really making use of that. Have the, the kind of condensed best practice images frameworks been similarly useful as the, the use cases for you? Yes, very much. And they really create, all of those just create an overall credibility. Because as we mentioned, AI is such a, uh, such a new space for, for many of our clients that to have the credibility around how are other peers in their industry doing or how, what are the most commonly uh, successful use cases. And it's not just us, Optimity, thinking of it in a vacuum. We've got a, a partner that, has, that makes a living doing that, that really is the unbiased third-party partner 
but has dug deep into the, either the industry or the use case scenario that that they need to solve and address. So yeah, it's a huge credibility build, especially with the uh, the distilling infographics you discussed. Big time. Well, uh, Scott, I appreciate it a ton. Uh, hopefully, that'll give some ideas for some of the folks who are tuned in as to what they might find useful. I can't think of anybody better for a pulse on the C-suite, as well as a great and very long experience now with Emerge. Scott, I super appreciate having you with us as a customer and also as a guest today. So thanks so much for joining us. You bet. Thanks a lot, Dan. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A little bit of a different pace here, pulling in somebody from our Emerge community to actually be on the show. I think at some point we might open up another podcast or potentially have a special series on folks from our community who've learned from Emerge and put some of those insights into action, be it our use cases, our best practices, etc. If you want access to our five critical AI trends for 2020, be sure to go to emerj.com slash x1 and you can get it as a complimentary bonus along with an annual lifetime membership to Emerge Plus. Scott was kind enough to talk about what he's really benefited from. Scott is also a Catalyst member with us here at Emerge. As I mentioned, we work hands-on with a small set of AI service providers and consultants. So if you're thinking of starting an AI consultancy and you want to land and expand business by applying use cases to be able to discover opportunities with clients, convey the ROI of AI with clients, and really deliver value for them, then check out emerj.com slash Catalyst and you can learn how to apply. And who knows, maybe you'll be on one of our group calls with Catalyst and get to meet Scott in person. So again, big thanks to Scott for being here on the episode. I hope you all were able to benefit a bit from us pulling in some folks from our own community. And otherwise, we'll catch you tomorrow for our Making the Business Case episode, and I will catch you then.